Hey guys, welcome back to Crime Connect Case Discussions. I am Crystal and I'm here today with Nikki. Hey Nikki. Hey. Welcome back. Yeah, first first podcast of 2020. Yes, so excited. And it's been a while since anybody's heard us because we had some technical difficulties. I think the last episode we published was on the Epstein case. And yes. You and I did a whole episode that was really good. I still I think cry. it was a really good episode on I the Patrick Pussy trial. Yeah. Oh. And we couldn't, <laughs> only half the audio <laughs> uploaded, so we couldn't even make anything of it. Um, <sighs> and we lost half of it. It was such a good episode, though. It really was. I think um, it was our best one. Yes. Well, hopefully this one will be a really good one. (laughs) And it will all upload nicely. Yes. So, we've had a really busy week. Um, I feel like if we were even just focusing on the Gannon Stout case, it would have been a really busy week. And then we had the face wet like case thrown in. Mm-hmm. And so it was an extremely busy week. Yeah. For us. And really emotional. Yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a very quick case and a very heart wrenching case. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that one. Um because there's there's some stuff to talk about. Um, but I also think it makes a really good comparison case to Gannon's case on how things are being handled. And I'll, I'll talk a bit, little bit about that when we get to Gannon's case. But when I was doing my notes, I was like, this is a really good way to compare what they're doing and where they're focusing. Right. Um, it like went off like a light bulb to me. Cool. So, um, we'll start with Faye, and I'm going to do my best not to be emotional. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Um, I don't know what it is about Faye's case. She was six years old, and my daughter's five. And I think she, when I look at Faye's pictures, I just see my daughter. I just see, you know, like a happy child. Mm-hmm. And it, something about it, I think we all have like that case that just hits us heavier mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, I know you've experienced that. I've mm-hmm. always kind of thought of myself kind of like pretty cold hearted and a You're lot not. of times, you know, I am though. No, I, I care. You, it, I have a good this, wall. When, yeah, when you're doing what we're doing, I mean, we see so many cases and we we see so many things, and you, I mean, you just really kind of detach. That yeah. it's not heartless. You just you're it. able to yeah. detach yourself from the victims and the cases so that you can look at it. Um, just yeah. completely objectively, but then 
there's like, there's this, there's got to be one case where it's just like, oh my God, I can't deal with, like, I just, I can't take it. Um, it's yeah. In. Yeah. It sucks. I think, um, two years ago we had the, a case local here where the mom was attacked and the little girl was kidnapped and they found her almost 24 hours later in, I think it was Mississippi they found her in, or Alabama, something like that. And that hit me really hard, too. I think the localness of it um, yeah. plays a big role. But that little girl was also close in age with my daughter at the time. And I, I think the combination of it really makes it harder to deal with. Um. So Faye went missing in Casey, South Carolina, um, on Monday afternoon. And it was a really short window of time. She got off of school. Oh, she got out of school. I think I read that they dismissed at like 225. She was on the bus. She rides home. Normal bus, normal bus stop. Her mom picks her up from the bus stop takes her back home, and the distance is not very far. This is a extremely small street because it's a dead-end street, I think it was. Um, the neighborhood is pretty large, but her little street is small. I think they said it was like 45 yards. Yeah. And then, like, as any kid wants to do, she wanted to go outside and play. And I struggle with this all the time because that's all my daughter wants to do. She just wants to go outside and play. She wants to be outside every freaking second of the day. And, you know, not everybody has different ideas of what age they need to be supervised and what age shouldn't need to be supervised. But I think everybody, regardless, feels safe at home to some extent. I feel safe um, letting my daughter play on our front porch. We have a fenced yard, and I will keep our door open, my front door open. And now I hang out by the front door, and she has to have one of our dogs outside with her, and she has to stay on the porch. And those are our rules. And she knows every time she goes outside, I say, what's the rule? And she says, if anybody's on the street, I have to come inside. I say, okay. And I feel comfortable with that. It gives her the feeling of independence being outside on the front porch, but I'm also supervising her. She just doesn't realize it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, And I may be overly cautious or I may be not cautious enough. I don't know. But as cautious cautious as I am and as well aware I, I am that these things happen, That's what I feel comfortable with. For whatever reason, Faye's mom felt really safe in her neighborhood, which I think we're all, we all should feel safe in our neighborhood. I think it's really shitty that we can't. But she felt safe. She let Faye play outside. And this was a normal thing. And you have to understand, I think, also when it's a normal thing, if every day Faye goes outside to play, And every day she comes back, that reinforces to her mom that this is a safe neighborhood. You know, this is okay for me to let my daughter go out and play. Right. 
And I think that's normal for everybody. I don't, we, me and you talked about this. We grew up playing outside. I grew up riding my bike outside of my neighborhood and, you know, to the strip mall down the street and stuff like that. Right. Oh, yeah. It was a different time. Yeah. And statistically, it's supposed to be safer now. You know, you hear that all the time. Statistically, it's a lot safer now. But these things still happen. But Faye's mom felt safe. And I think that's all that matters because she didn't do anything negligently or maliciously or anything like that. Right. So Faye goes and plays after coming home from school. And sometime around 345 is the last time she was seen. Um, Police have said two things. Around 345 she was last seen and they noticed her missing. So I'm not sure the time specifics of it. But sometime around 345 they know she's missing. She was supposed to be in her yard. We've heard rumors sometimes she would go to the neighbor's. The houses are very, very close together. Um, They look like townhouses. I think they were townhouses, right? Yes, they were townhouses. So Faye's house shares a building with another house, and then there are several of those with them. And then there's um, more townhouses behind them. Which is and like then a there's different regular houses on other streets. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little mixed community. Um, Faye's mom begins to look for her. And from what we know from the 911 call, she went to all the houses in the neighborhood, basically, in her little neighborhood, asking if Faye was there. Couldn't find Faye. And when you listen to the 911 call, it's clear that she is hysterical. Yeah, she can't she find her it. daughter. And yeah, this is not something she expected to happen. And I feel like you could tell that that panic probably uh-huh. was building in her the whole time she was looking for her daughter and she couldn't. And and now she's calling the police. You just could hear it in her voice. Um, and the police come out, you know, as soon as they get the call. So this is a very small window of time between 345-ish and the mom realizing she's missing. It's a very small period of time. Even if she waited, um, she looked for 45 minutes or whatever, whatever. Faye was already gone. So the mm-hmm. window that she actually disappeared in is really small. So I think I heard about the case uh, Monday night. I want to say it was around 7, 7 or 8. We made a thread in the vault. Um, and then I didn't sleep that night until really late. Something about it. I think when we hear a case, when when we get like the initial um, information from a case, I don't know about you, but I definitely get like feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think they either sound like another case or um, you or realize, something you haven't seen before. Yeah. And in Faye's case, I think it was the fact that she had just gotten home from school and she was missing right away that made me feel like it was a kidnapping. I I didn't think anything was done to her by any anyone in her family. Um because the window was so small. I think you and I talked about that and we were trying to mm-hmm. think of ways it could have happened and um but I kept going back to the window is so small and I feel like somebody there in that neighborhood did something and I even mentioned I think in our group that I thought maybe it was an older kid you did mention that like a teenager yeah because I've seen Mm -hmm. that in other cases um a, a younger child will go missing usually after school and in a small window of time and it turns out to be an older kid in the neighborhood and that's kind of the feeling I got from it Um, and I couldn't shake that as soon as I read about the case. So I stayed up really late, just hoping that they would find her. There's, um, a lot of wooded areas around her house. I was hoping she would be found in the wooded areas. And as the night went on and she wasn't found then the like dread feeling kept sinking in. And so I created our group, which is the face, what like case, case discussion group, um, and I had it all set up, ready to go for the next morning. So the next day, we saw that the police were really searching hardcore for Faye. And I think um, we started to see a lot of activity around her house. We saw them searching around the house. Eventually we saw them tape off her house. We saw the cars towed from her neighborhood. We never really got confirmation on whose cars they were, but I think we assumed they were her mom and the boyfriend's cars. Right. And they did that almost immediately, which was really kind of startling to me because I know just like from local case, like the Diana Keel case, you know, that was very close mm-hmm. to me. And as soon as I saw, I mean, she went missing and they literally taped the house off like the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, he did it. Like, it's just so obvious. And then of course he did. So it was just really odd to me that they completely, because in a lot of cases they, they don't do that. So I was just like, they what don't. in the world? You know, it's the first day they're taping off the house and towing away their car. Like, oh, my God, what did Mm -hmm. they do? But then that's when we started talking and, and, you know, the window came in and you were just like, I I mean, how did how would they have done this? And I'm like, why would they take away both car? Like, what are they doing? It was so it was just baffling to me. I was like, what what kind of evidence like what happened to this girl? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where a lot of the rumors came into play because it got really nasty there in that first couple of days with the house being Mm. taped off and um, the heavy focus. I remember seeing the FBI like poking through her backyard and looking through, like looking in all their their buckets and stuff like that. And um, the cars being towed and 
then of course you've got that social media rumor mill going, well, I heard this and this person confessed and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that, all of that stuff started coming into play almost immediately after she went immediately. missing. I think that night, the day they towed the cars and that night, that big rumor hit that they found her body in the trunk of the car. So like, it was like as soon as anybody saw a little bit of focus on the house, it just exploded into, you know, they must have done it. And when you think about it, of course, they're going to focus on the house because that's where she was last seen. And yeah. looking at it in hindsight and mm-hmm. no, I guess now that you know the outcome of the case, it's like, well, duh. I mean, that's where she yeah. was. That's where she was last seen. They're going to go through the house with a fine tooth comb so that they can rule that out from the very beginning. Yeah. And it's funny because in some cases, like in the Kelsey Barrett case, they did, they let people live in that house up until, yeah. you know, they found the blood in the house. Um, so I would Ridiculous. definitely much rather than tape off a, ca- a house where somebody went missing from because you just never know what will be found that day, two days, three days later that may be relevant. And to have people coming in and out and living in the last place they were seen is just not. Well, and, um, and obviously you can't, you can't compare this case, but I mean, look at Casey Anthony. She went mm-hmm. home and destroyed evidence because the police were morons. <laughs> yeah so I think it's a really good lesson that when somebody goes missing and the the last place they were seen is taped off don't necessarily think that it's um because something happened in that house it could just be they want to preserve it just in case and while they're doing it and it could have also just been they didn't want anybody going in or out of there um while they were there it could have been anything but i'm i'm really glad that they it seems like they were really thorough because they've also told us that they went into all the houses in that on that street they talked to every single person in the neighborhood they had questions for everybody they went into the houses they searched and that actually really surprised me Um, that they searched because I've seen in other cases um, where they will just knock and talk to people, but they don't actually search their houses. Right. Um, Unfortunately, whatever happened to Faye, because we don't have the specifics, But all of this searching and thoroughness and activity right there in her neighborhood didn't save her. They ended up finding her body Thursday morning. And what happened was Thursday they were going through the trash cans in the neighborhood. It was most likely trash day and they needed to go through them before they were going to get picked up. Um, And they apparently found a critical piece of evidence in one of the trash cans. All we know about what they found right now was that it was something that would be listed on her missing persons flyer. So we could assume it was something like clothing or a shoe, 
something like that. That's what like I heard rumors of. Days. Yeah. So the trash can belonged to an apartment. They went to that apartment and they found um, Faye's body in the well, apartment slash townhome. I'm not sure exactly which it is. Um, they then found the body of a male adult in the wooded area behind uh, those townhomes. It was opposite, Am wasn't it? Am I saying it? that right? Or is yeah, I'm, no. off, I'm opposite, It right? was opposite. They found her in the woods okay. and they found him in the house. So they went to the townhome and found him in the townhome and they found her yes. in the wooded areas by the, there's like a Napa auto parts. And they said that her body hadn't been there long. Right. So I'm thinking that he, maybe overnight. Maybe. I mean, it, the, and a lot of people were asking, how could he have moved her with the way, I mean, the neighborhood was basically on lockdown. I mean, they weren't even, mm-hmm. they weren't even letting residents in that day. That's what's so strange about, like, you know, I mean, they completely shut it down. So yeah. a lot of people want to know how did he manage to put her body in the woods with nobody seeing or hearing anything? But then you also so have close. to think if everybody was out of the neighborhood and they weren't letting anybody in, then that's a perfect opportunity to move her. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, yeah I mean. It, it was so close to their whole, like, command center. It really wasn't yeah. far at all. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting, you know, because obviously, you know, they finished her autopsy yesterday. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if they finished his yesterday, but it'll be interesting to hear more about when he died. I think that will kind of mm-hmm. when she died and when he died will kind of yes. put the pieces together because I almost feel like I mean I, I do believe it was trash day and the reason I say that is because I remember seeing pictures of a like a garbage truck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I believe it was trash day. I believe that he threw away items that were going to, you know, evidence. Um, mm-hmm. I think he thought that they would be gone. But when he realized that they were going through all of the trash cans, mm-hmm. I think he panicked and yeah. killed himself. I mean, that's just my theory behind it. Because, I mean, to me, that's what makes sense. I think he had already moved her body. Um, like you said, probably overnight. And he thought he was going to get away with it. He thought everything was going to be in the landfill by the time they found her mm-hmm. and yeah. there would be nothing to tie them to him. Yeah. I also don't think he expected them to like close down the little neighborhood um, mm-hmm. because he lived so close and I just can't get it out of my mind why he thought he could get away with it. Did he think he could actually get rid of her body somewhere farther? And then when they shut everything down, he realized he was stuck and couldn't actually get rid of her body. Did he actually think he was getting away with it or was 
whatever compulsion that he had so strong that he just did it anyways, you know, that, that really sticks with me because I don't, I understand why kidnappings happen and, and this type of thing happens, but when it happens so close and you're like literally yards away that I'm just curious what he was thinking as far as the end game of it all, you know? So you said that this case, um, looking at it now mm-hmm. and comparing it to Gannon's case, you said that that kind of, that there were stark differences um, in comparison as far as what they were looking at. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't want to speak on all of it yet until I get to uh, specific details in the Gannon's case. But one of the things I will say is that to me, it was very obvious that they suspected a kidnapping from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, The way they shut down the neighborhood, the way they were asking everybody. And mind you, yes, they did. This is not um, rare in these cases. This is kind of routine police work, but I think you can get an idea of um, where police are headed based on their their larger focus, you know? Um, right. Yes, they towed the cards, but at the same time, they locked everything down. And you don't often see that. Um, you may see that for a couple hours, but you don't see that for several days. Mm-hmm. And so I really always felt that they suspected a kidnapping and that it, it was close. And, you know, they had the FBI working on them with them. And I think they saw the same things that I saw, not that I'm tooting my horn or anything, but I think just the circumstances of the, the window and everything, it made sense that somebody took the opportunity to take her right there. And I think they saw that too. Um, but I, I do, as we move on to Gannon's case, I want you to remember that they towed these cars because um, I'm going to talk about that in Gannon's case. So Gannon is 11 years old and went missing from El Paso County in Colorado on mm-hmm. January 27th. In this case, first of all, if you guys are new and you haven't listened to us, I don't actually intend for this podcast to be like a get all your facts here type podcast. We're just discussing the case. That's it. I don't I don't want people to be like, oh, you missed this, this and that. Um, or you went out of order on this. That's not the reason why we're doing this. Um, that's why we have groups. <laughs> so keep it all in, in, in order there. Um. And this one, because it's been, what, it's been three weeks now? Yeah. I'm looking at my calendar. One, two, three weeks tomorrow. Um, yeah, I was going to say they were on day 20. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. has happened. A lot has and has not happened since the, since he went missing. So I'm going to go over just what police have told us about this case. 
and it's absurdly tiny. Um, January 27th, Gannon was last seen between 3 and 4 p.m. in the afternoon. He was reported missing at 6.55 p.m. Um, it was originally a runaway case, and all we know about the person who reported it is nothing because all police have said is that it's the reporting person. They have not said if it was a he or a she. Um, January 30th, they upgraded his case to endangered missing. And their explanation is just the weather, his age, the time he's been out there, and stuff like that is what escalated it to endangered They said he needed medication. There's a specific Mm -hmm. medication, but they haven't mentioned what condition he would have or what medication he would need. And that is all police have told us other than updating us on where they're searching. But as far as the facts of the case, that's literally it. This case kills me. Just like from day one, last seen by his stepmom between three and four. Mm -hmm. But she said Mm -hmm. she was downstairs. She said she never saw him leave. So where are they getting the last scene from? How does she know exactly what he is wearing? Mm -hmm. She claimed that she was downstairs working out with her earbuds in, that she didn't know Mm -hmm. anything about it. He texted his dad and asked him if he could go to a friend's house. Dad says yes, so he leaves. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's very strange. Like, I don't, I don't get the facts as they're being reported. And I know they're reporting to us what they're being told. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, okay, well, there, there has to be some sort of fact here that you're reporting. Like, you can't just report what you're told. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> this one's so I'm me. going back. I'm going back to our thread in the vault where we first heard about the case. We first po- posted about it on the 29th. So he had already been missing for a bit, you know. Um, but we already had screenshots from stepmom about him missing and I posted the case at, let's see, 8.55 in the morning and by... 9.30, I had started a group. <laughs> and my comment about starting a group was, I have a feeling this one will get ugly. And I started a group. Because the screenshots of the stepmom just didn't make sense to me. She was already kind of all over the place with how she last saw him. And what really stuck out to me um, was that she had taken him for a hike the day before he went missing and then he wasn't in school on Monday and right there are like so many red flags to me you know if a child is not in school and then they go missing that's the biggest red flag you could throw up you know especially if they're in a remote area before before mm -hmm. that And I know that where they went hiking is supposedly not remote. Um, You know, there are cameras there and a lot of people. Mm. It's a popular place to go. But 
it's still, when you think hiking, you think of being out somewhere in the outdoors where a lot of bad things right. can happen. And then, and who, yeah, who, he didn't show up to school. And somewhere more remote too, you know, like right. what they really have is they said they went to this place called Garden of the Gods, which everybody says is really popular and populated. But I've also heard that it's really popular in the warmer weather months. So right. I don't know how applicable it is to the winter there, you know? Um, right. It could be. Well, and then you also hear about him not going to school, but going to a friend's house. Like, I know that's been a big thing. I know when I mm-hmm. was a kid, if I didn't go to school, I wasn't, I had no social yep. life either. It's like, okay, well, you yep. were sick. You were too sick to go to school. So you're too sick to go to your friends. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing that a lot of people were talking about was just like, okay, well, why? If he was, he was sick and didn't go to school, why were you letting him go to a friend's house? Um, mm-hmm. afterwards, but you know, maybe mm-hmm. dad in, in that regard, maybe dad didn't know he stayed home from school since supposedly right. dad was the one that told him he could go. Right. And I want to just point out that the original statement from stepmom was that he, when she, she was talking to somebody, I, I don't remember who she was talking to. It was a text. It wasn't on Facebook. And then the text was posted. Um, Mm -hmm. She said that he wasn't in school Monday. He had to go to the doctor. And then later she said in a different post to somebody else that um, it, it was either in a different post or it was in one of her interviews. But she said that she ended up calling the nurse's line and worked on a remedy for his situation, which I think I've heard was he was constipated. Um, mm-hmm. So first she said he had to go to the doctor and then she said um, the nurse's line. And something dawned on me when I was writing my notes this morning that I don't know why I didn't think of it earlier. Because this has been one of the big conflicting statements and everybody's like, well, first she said he went to the doctors and, didn't she know that they were going to check on that? And then she said he went, she just called the nurse. Well, I don't think when she said he had to go to the doctor, I don't think she actually meant she took him to the doctor. I think that this was a pre-scheduled appointment. I don't think like he got sick Sunday and then she kept him home and scheduled a doctor's appointment. I think this was an appointment he already had. Like maybe she made it the week before because he was sick, but something happened to Gannon and he couldn't go to the doctors. You know what I mean? Yeah. And perhaps she did call the nurses line to cover her butt, you know, and, and have an excuse of why they weren't going. But when I was writing my notes and I was looking at the wording of had to go to the doctor and then the nurses line, I I don't know. I just got the feeling that that was an already standing appointment, that it wasn't something that she made Sunday or Monday. That's possible. Yeah. So. Especially since we don't know what this condition is that he's taking medication for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she said to somebody else also that she let him go play and she, he was supposed to be back by six. Um, and she also told this person that she doesn't keep up with his friends. And first that struck me as odd because 
who doesn't keep up with their kids' friends, even if it was my stepson, you know, you're the sole caregiver at times. How are you not keeping up with his friends? Like, are you that detached from him that mm-hmm. you just don't care what he's doing? Because that's kind of how it sounded in the beginning to me mm-hmm. was just that she couldn't care less what he did, where he went, whatever, just go type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that rubbed a lot of people wrong and it just, again, kid wasn't in school Monday goes missing and conveniently you just don't keep up with his friends like it's so convenient that you have this excuse for you um so all of that was super strange in itself and then at some point we learn that she was replacing carpet on monday she had a carpet van at the house and they were replacing carpet which jesus christ you know i if a kid is missing and you're replacing carpet, that doesn't sound good. Well, like and we also no realm does it sound good. Going back to the day that he went missing, um, you know, she also said that he left his phone at home, and that that was oh, one yes. of the big reasons yeah. that they classified him as a runaway at first was because yes. the last search on his phone was something along the lines of, can my parents find me if my cell phone is off? Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and she made a big deal about that. And that's why it was a runaway. Right. And I know that you and I talked about this. You know, I mean, my kids are teenagers and mm-hmm. I mean, early teenagers, but still they're teenagers and, you know, not far, just a couple years older than Gannon. And I don't, think that they even think about GPS tracking on a phone. Like that's just not something that even crosses their mind. So it's really odd to me that an 11 year old um, Mm -hmm. would, would be thinking along those lines if he was in a situation where he was going to run away. And then the fact, not only that, but the fact that he did leave his phone, you know, to me, Mm -hmm. if you're going to run away And you're thinking ahead to the point of thinking like, okay, what do I need to do so that I'm not trackable? You're also going to think, okay, well, I need to have a way of getting a hold of somebody in case something happens. Like if he's smart enough to have that foresight to think about what he needs to do to not be found, then he's smart enough to think about, okay, well, I need to have some way of communication, some way of making sure that I'm okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, you've told me um, some of the stuff your teenagers get caught doing with their phones. You know, like you catch them, you read messages, you see this. So if if teenagers don't cover their tracks in that sense, you're right. I just can't see an 11-year-old planning that well ahead of running away. And it, exactly. I know that kids run away. And I know that some kids plan really well, but 11-year-old does not just disappear. They may run away and they may even leave their phone, but they're seen at some point. You know, you're not like three days later and you have not been seen on a camera anywhere, you know? 
Well, and also let's just note that the, they've only mentioned this one search and I don't know about you, but when I'm looking for things on Google, I, I will check more than one site, you a know, lot. and I, I yeah. feel like a kid, if you Google, can I be found, you're going to see all of these different links and he's not going to just mm-hmm. pick one. Um, and I don't think he would just say, I don't think the one search would be if my phone is off. I think, you know, more, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about my daughter. Okay. You know, she's younger. I can see her right now. Alexa, how can I not get caught with my phone? You know, something like that. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, I, I, oh my God, Alexa, just tell me she's not sure about that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, really, the, this, the, that's the thing with the search. And you know that they could look through his phone and see all of his history. And I just, I don't feel like they had reason enough to believe that he was truly a runaway. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's stepmom creating the narrative that he ran away, you know, and she's setting it up really nice. Yeah. So she's replacing carpet on Monday. I forget how this story came out. Do you remember the first time we heard about the candle? Um, so we heard about it because that screenshot started floating around between her and Albert, um, Mm -hmm. where she said, don't freak out. Gannon tipped over a candle. Um, he's okay. He's just really freaked out was really all we saw. We never really saw his response or anything. We just saw that. Um, can we pause that for a second? Yeah. That's a really weird thing to text somebody. Yeah. like. Okay, like, even if my daughter tipped over a candle, I wouldn't be texting my husband, don't freak out, she tipped over a candle. Because tipping over a candle is not, you know, that big of a thing. Like, okay, That's what I was thinking. If, like, I'm not going to freak she, out anyway. Right. If she tipped over a candle on herself, I'd be like, oh, don't freak out. A candle hit her leg. She, this is what it looks like, whatever. But also, my daughter is five years old, you know? To be texting your husband that his 11-year-old tipped over a candle, don't freak out, he's okay, seems odd to me. Mm-hmm. It's, And it's something that when we talk about her text later between her and Albert, um, gives me a vibe of something going on. But I just wanted to point out that that's a really weird thing to text somebody. So we had that going on. And then we also had, um, you know, a lot of local talk of, you know, people saying that there was a van there. Um, Her mom was commenting a lot on Facebook about the situation um, with Gannon and with her daughter, um, kind of trying to clear everything up for people. Um, She seemed to have a lot of information. She was the one who kind of explained about the nurse's line versus going to the doctor. She was the one who said that he was constipated and that that's why he didn't go to the doctor. She claimed he was embarrassed. but when somebody brought up the van and asked if they could possibly have been, um, had something to do with Gannon going missing, she said that those were probably the carpet guys 
because she was mm-hmm. getting her carpet replaced because of the candle incident. Which again is really freaking odd. Yeah. Really. I mean, the way she's, the way she, you almost have, have to think that the, the kid set fire to the carpet or something like, like right. that in my mind is where we're going with this because dropping a candle is not going to do anything at all, but maybe spill wax on the carpet. You know, I mean, right. like you, I'm, it's the way it sounds, this huge deal is almost like he literally set a fire to the carpet and burned like uh, this huge patch. And I just can't imagine if this happens. I can't imagine if this happened Sunday, how she was able to call and get somebody to the house Monday to repair the carpet. Also, why? Your kid is sick. You supposedly have a doctor's appointment. You also have supposedly gone shopping this day, right? Because this right, is the day Petco. she went to Petco. Mm-hmm. And you're having your carpet replaced. That's a lot. I could barely do right. one of those in one day. Like, I, I get annoyed, you know? So you were able to schedule in the carpeting between all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just very odd. Like, why Monday? What's the rush? Why not later that week? Right. So, for a few days, this is what we have. We have a stepmom and her mom going back and forth with these different posts on Facebook, answering questions, arguing with people, providing a little bit more information all of these rumors start going about stepmom. It gets pretty nasty, to be honest. Like, it gets pretty intense. But to be fair, it's kind of her own doing based on the way she's putting this information out and um, talking with people. It's just not adding up, you know? Right. Um, if things were adding up a little bit more, I don't think it would be as volatile as it was. So stepmom decides to talk to a news channel and she does a little interview. First of all, I want to say, because I don't think I mentioned it, but I think that the reporter who interviewed her totally understood that this interview was the oddest shit he's ever done because they didn't even edit it. They were just like, here, this is what happened. We're going to put it all 10 minutes out for you guys. You could decide for yourself. You know what I mean? There was like, here, just take it. And then they, yeah, they you know, they definitely didn't do her any favors. No, not at all. So what she says is odd enough, but if you haven't seen it to paint the picture, she does not show her face in this interview. All you see is the back of her head for whatever reason she does not want her face shown. She talks for 10 minutes. And then at the end, she does this supposedly tearful um, message to Gannon. But again, it's literally just her hair that you're seeing. She doesn't want anybody to see her face. So on top of the oddness of her words, that's the visual we get. Um 
So we have 10 minutes of video. I'm definitely not going to play the whole thing, but I do have some clips I'll play later. Um, and we could discuss, I guess, kind of like the oddest things. She says, I want to start with, um, she drops the info that, you know, she did talk to the police and based on what she says, it was not pleasant when she was at the police station. She wanted a lawyer. She says they violated her rights by not giving her a lawyer, by telling her that she had to um, stay. And she... Um, she said that the police told her she wasn't complying. Now, it was it was kind of out of left field because, again, we hadn't heard from police other than to say Gannon was missing, right? And, right. And we suspected stepmom, but we didn't have any reason to actually, you know, say, okay, yeah, she did it. Until... She told everybody that the police basically treated her like she wasn't complying, you know, mm -hmm. um, which did not do her any favors. She also dropped the hint that they took her daughter's car. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but they confronted her and her daughter with their guns drawn to take the car. And supposedly this was in a store which doesn't make any sense because I, I'm going to refer back to Faye's case now when they towed the cars. Towing cars can be, like we saw in Faye's case, totally routine, 100% routine. So why would they ever need to draw their guns on this woman and her daughter? The only thing I can think of is if they were trying to run. Mm -hmm. And I had heard that they, I think somebody in the neighborhood around that time had said that the police were there in front of the house. I think the rumor or, or what I saw was that a man and a woman got in a vehicle and left. But looking back on it now, it was probably those two that got in the vehicle and left. Yeah. Very but they odd. apparently, it's yeah, they apparently followed them to a store where she was saying she had to get underwear mm -hmm. because she'd been kicked out of her house. And I just, yes. I, the only reason, and again, that goes back to the, them, her being non-compliant. I feel like, and, and I mean, we've seen her attitude. We've seen the way she is. She's insane. Um, I feel like she tried to make a scene and yeah. so they're like, okay, look, this is what's happening now. Okay. Yeah. We're going to put handcuffs on you. You're coming with us now because you're acting like a psychopath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They said that they had to cuff the daughter too. Mm -hmm. You don't, let me tell you when they come to confiscate your car, because of a situation like this, they have a warrant. 
what they're going to do is come to you, especially being the family of a missing person, a missing child. They do treat you kind of, you know, as a, a victim when they think you are and they're just covering their bases. They'll be like, hey, we got the warrant. We need to check the car because we need to rule everything out. This is routine police work, blah, blah, blah. They don't aggressively come to you with guns drawn, handcuff you, handcuff your daughter for routine police work. That's that's not the picture that she's painting, you know? Right. So based on her interview and her interactions with police, by her own words we could kind of assume that the police are treating her like a suspect and not as, um, you know, an innocent party that they're just trying to rule out. And this interview was done on the 31st and he was missing on the 27th. So all of this occurred within a four day window. Mm -hmm. So within four days, they had upgraded his case to a missing and endangered child. They had, towed her daughter's car, Mm -hmm. um, taken her in, put her daughter in handcuffs. Um, according to her, they threatened to shoot her. Um, she also said that they took her jewelry Mm -hmm. and her purse that contained her wedding, her and Albert's wedding rings. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, all of this her happened ID? within four days. Yeah, they her ID. Yep. But where's the red truck? Yeah, where is the red truck? I assume they've taken it. I miss. I assume that that was at the house and they've taken it, but I don't know. It's never been talked about other than the the video. I do know that the media has kept a distance from the house. And mm-hmm. I think us coming into it so late, we probably missed um, some of the very initial stuff they did, which again makes me think that they found some evidence to suggest that something happened with the daughter's car versus the truck, you know? Right. Um. Which actually, when you read her latest statement, might make sense, but I'll get to that later. Um, (laughs) So then, on top of that, this picture that she's painting us about how she's been treated by police and what that means for the case, on top of that, we know that Gannon's mother flew into town from the Carolinas, and Mm -hmm. this has set stepmom off like I've never seen there is some sort of jealousy rage situation going on there because she could not say a nice thing about his mother during that whole 10 minute interview which is insane considering according to stepmom the 11 year old boy is missing you know and his mom you know flies into town like any mother would but stepmom's going to make it about herself and play the victim Mm -hmm. and we get um 
the information that stepmom is staying at the family home and she, meaning stepmom, was not going to stay there um, with her, basically. Either she wasn't allowed to or she wasn't going to. She kind of said both, but um, she's not happy about it. So then fast forward to February 4th, which is when the neighbor, um, mm-hmm. he decided, I think he said that he had been up and he couldn't, he couldn't sleep that night. So he decided he was going to go back through his camera footage from his home surveillance. Mm-hmm. And he ended up finding stepmom and Gannon getting in the truck um, at 1013 on Monday morning. And then at 219, he saw stepmom come back home, but never saw Gannon. And from what we know, he was never seen again on any surveillance footage Mm -hmm. that we've been made aware of yet. And that video wasn't released initially, but now I think we've seen a piece of it. I don't think we've seen the whole video. Um, I feel like, I feel like they've given us a part of what they want us to see to kind of keep us quiet. Yeah. And I think the most disturbing part is the neighbor's interview about what happened when he showed Gannon's father. Mm-hmm. Um, the neighbor says he called Gannon's dad that the morning after he found the video, first thing in the morning, and dad came over to look at it. And when he saw the video, he broke down and was very upset and said she lied. So... To me, if that is all true, just, again, goes along with the fact that stepmom, you know, has not been 100% truthful. And the only reason you're not 100% truthful in a situation like this is because you're hiding what actually happened. And see, I feel like that's what kind of makes me feel like whatever else there was in that video had to have been bad because she said that she made like, you know, we talked about the trip to Petco. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she, she has admitted to going places that day and she even said that she took mm-hmm. Gannon with her. So mm-hmm. for him to say she lied and to break down I, yeah. I feel like there was something on that video that he saw, and I'm not going to talk about the rumors that are surrounding this video and, and what people say weren't was on it that we haven't seen yet, but there's more than just her leaving and, and not him not coming back. There's more than that. Yeah. Um, for him yeah, to I say that. I think he could see more. Yeah. <sighs> And I think, um, I think this also, for me at least, between the text between her and Albert 
A few more have been released that don't really make too much sense, but in all the texts between her and Albert, it seems like um, she's explaining situations or he's questioning her and then she's defending herself. And I at least get the impression that something was going on between the three of them. Um, Albert is, what is it the National Guard that he's mm-hmm. in? Yeah. Um, and he was out of town when Gannon went missing. And this is a regular thing. And in fact, he was in Alaska for quite some time before this in the past. And she raised Gannon for, you know, a year, whatever, while he was in Alaska, um, at least part of the time. And I get the impression that I can't shake based on these things that there was something going on with the three of them. Either her and Gannon were butting heads and it was getting back to Albert and Albert was questioning her about how she treats him or maybe it wasn't even that they were butting heads. Maybe Albert just noticed she treated him different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just get the impression that she felt, even before this happened, that she had to explain everything she did with Gannon. If that makes sense. She mm-hmm. comes off very defensive in the text. Um, don't worry, Gannon dropped the candle. Again, that's a very weird thing to, to send to a father about his 11-year-old. But did she have to, you know, get ahead of something that maybe Gannon was going to tell Albert? That's what this I was going to say. That I keep getting. A lot of yeah. her messages seem like she's trying to beat him to t- like she already knows mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he's going to hear about it. So she wants him to hear her story first so that when Gannon does come to him and say, OK, well, the, you know, she did this to me. Well, she told me that I heard a completely different story. And then, you know, he looks like the liar. He looks like a troublemaker. Is exactly what she's doing in this whole case. You know, she's putting out these stories and these situations and these details covering up, you know, what actually happened and trying to come out ahead of things. And trying to make herself the victim. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, speaking of covering her stories and stuff, when did this video get released? When did she post about that? Do you have the day? When did she, which video? Her video of um, Gannon. Oh, um, I'll find it. Hang on. While you look for it, after... Rumors, of course, online were still going, and then we started talking one night about, um, I think it was just a a really, I don't even remember what led up to it. It was just a a day where, like, people were really hardcore on stepmom and everything that was going on, and the carpet and the candle, and it doesn't make sense, and blah, blah, blah. And next thing we know, she posts this big thing. um, It was on the night. On the 9th, okay. So she posted on her page, and then she also posted, like, in a local neighborhood group. Um, very, I don't, incoherent isn't the word. Um, 
I guess the only way you could really describe it is a rant because it just kind of went off in different places. Um, she posts again, her side of whatever story of the day it is. And she posts a video and she says that she didn't even realize her phone was, um, recording, but it just so happened to record Gannon and her talking about the candle incident. Just so happened. And in it, you don't see much of anything. It looks like she's maybe in her daughter's room in the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she walks back out to wherever Gannon is and is asking Gannon, I'm going to ask you one more time, you know, if you did it on purpose. And all you hear is Gannon absolutely in hysterics, you know, swearing he didn't do it on purpose. But it's the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, I think the biggest thing to me, or one of the most alarming pieces of it was that, number one, she said, I'm going to ask you one more time. And Mm -hmm. So that means that, you know, obviously she's asked him several times before that. And it, it almost sounds like she tortured him to try to get him to talk. You know, it's like, I'm going to ask you one more time. This is your last chance to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also made the comment. She was like, I'm sorry, I'm just freaked out. Okay. So mm-hmm. what was she apologizing for? What did she do when she freaked out? Mm -hmm. Like my first thoughts after watching that video and after listening to him, um, I was just like, what did she do to that baby? Because I mean, he sounded hurt. He didn't sound like he Mm -hmm. was just scared and crying. He sounded like she had literally just like beaten him half to death. Like he sounded bad. Mm -hmm. Um, so her voice was shaky she was in that like fight or flight adrenaline mode. Um, so just going by this, the sound of her voice, her saying she was freaked out and I'm going to ask you one more time. It just, it, it really made me feel like something really, really bad had happened before she started recording. Yeah. We get a lot of cases, and we we followed a lot of trials, so we've seen a lot of videos and um, stories and testimonies, but seriously, that video is is one of, like, the most traumatic things I've heard. Because something happened. I think we all know that. And his poor little voice with her manipulative attitude that she has in it you know trying to act like she cares about him oh god telling him that it's okay it's okay and we're gonna sell a couch to fix it yeah and then like in in, in her posting on facebook she was saying that she was trying to be a good you know mother to him and and they were gonna work it out together as a team it makes i was letting him know i wasn't gonna tell his dad that was another thing she said. I wasn't going to tell his dad we were going to we were going to fix it. 
so weird. It literally turns my stomach. It makes me feel absolutely sick. It's it's so disgusting. But um, like I was saying before with her covering her tracks and being defensive with Albert, that's exactly what I think this video was. I don't think it was accidentally recording. I think she meant to record it. And I think this was her attempt to get out of ahead of whatever Gannon was going to tell Albert. And she was hoping to get on the recording that Gannon did something on purpose and therefore she was justified in doing whatever it was she did. Because I don't think she realized that what she did was so bad, if that makes sense. I, I don't think... It wasn't like she was going to show this to Albert and be like, oh, yeah, I had to beat your son to death because he did this. I don't think it was that. I don't think she realized how bad it was at the right. time. And she thought she'd be able to show this to Albert and be like, well, of course I spanked him because he did this. And tried to make it seem like it wasn't as bad as it actually was whenever Albert got home. That's what I think that video is. And I think it's interesting to note that these things happened. Um, so the neighbor showed the video to dad on the 4th. And on the 5th was when Dan May came to the house. And that was when they had all of the evidence that was being mm -hmm. taken from the home. So... On the 5th, you have, you know, several pieces of evidence that you saw being removed. They spent a lot of time in the garage. Um, and you have the DA at your house. And then four days later, you're leaking this video of mm -hmm. a conversation that you had about burnt carpet. And, and telling him that everything's going to be okay and you're going to sell the couch to fix it because you don't want to get kicked out of your house. Which is mm -hmm. disgusting that you would even tell a kid that anyway. But um, I think the timing is interesting because it's like, okay, so all of this stuff is happening. They're getting closer to figuring out what's going on. They're starting to take evidence from the home, which is, you know, showing you right there that, that they believe something happened in that house. Um, and four days later after searches, you know, they, during those four days, of course, they were doing searches using drones and, um, they were also looking in the water, uh, on the seventh was when they started using the sonar and, um, submersible equipment and all these technologically mm -hmm. advanced, um, tools to search the water near the home. And then on the 8th was the vigil. And then on the 9th is when she releases her, this is my side of the story video. And then the 11th was when she gave her statement. Yeah. The, to the media, right? Yes. And so it's like, so I feel like initially she tried to be 
on top of it, I feel like she came off very um, proactive. She thought like she wanted to be ahead of everything. She was ahead of the game. She was, you know, she set the narrative. She let them kind of follow her little breadcrumbs that she was leaving. But then I feel like once that footage came out from the neighbor, all of a sudden she fell behind. And then the DA came. They start taking things out of the house. Now she's really behind. Now she's now she's got to figure out what she's going to do because she doesn't know what they took. You know, she doesn't know what is going on. What, what do they know? You know, what are mm-hmm. they finding? And so I think that's when she kind of, and she turned reactive and started posting, you know, crazy things on Facebook. You know, she, of course she took her profile down for a little while and then she came back and, you know, she was using her daughters to put comments out there and stuff. But I think during that time, um, during that, that four days or so, she kind of just freaked out and, and then started kind of trying to really do damage control where at first she was, you know, laying, laying the story out for what she thought was going to be just a, a really easy cut and dry. He ran away. Um, we'll wait for him to come home kind of thing. And then it turned into this huge case. And now she's, now she's trying to figure out how she can dig herself out of it. And that's what I, I think that I her think video. Thought, I think she thought she was so smart and she would be able to frame this and control the narrative. And Albert was going to come home and they were going to, you know, hug each other and, and she was going to hold his hand while his son was missing. And when it didn't start to work out the way she envisioned it, she has just imploded into attacking his mom, going on the news, going on Facebook. It's, it's, it's something that I've almost like never even seen before this type of, um, behavior. And I have seen this just not in a case like this, but in, um, I follow a, a group on Reddit, a subreddit about mother-in-laws and <laughs> most of them are narcissistic mother-in-laws. And when you create boundaries with a narcissist, it's very common for them to explode. I mean, it's an extinction burst of just throwing whatever will stick at you to, to break down your boundaries. And that's kind of what I feel is going on when her narrative wasn't holding up, she's just exploding. And this is, this was her extinction burst, if you will. She wanted to throw whatever she could to try and get control of the story again and get the tide to turn a little bit in her favor. And she thought she was smart enough to do that. And really, she's really not because every time she puts something on Facebook or she goes to the news, it gives us a little bit more insight into her personality, into her motives, 
into her frame of mind, like everything. It's insane. And I will point out that in some cases you will see, you know, um, online people will talk about the parents and whatever, and you'll see the law enforcement working the case come out and be like, I want to let you all know that these people are cooperating and people need to just focus on, you know, finding the kid. And in this case, they have come out and said they don't want rumors spread and that people need to focus on finding Gannon, but they have not said one supportive word of stepmom and they have not, um, addressed her supposedly, you know, violating her rights. They have not addressed her. I think she said she was cleared because in her last statement to the media, she was saying that they have other videos of the truck and that they also have technology to see shadows and that, you know, we just don't Mm -hmm. know yet, but that they know that Gannon came home. That's what the insinuation there was. Um, They have not spoken up for her at all. And they have done a press conference with Gannon's dad and mom. And they did do a very nice video of just uh, Gannon's mom and dad and sister posted on their YouTube page, um, you know, talking about Gannon and, and what he's like and stuff like that. So they've been working very closely with the family. Just not with stepmom. And it, yeah, she's being handcuffed and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, on top of that craziness, they are searching a lot. And they're expecting, uh, I think I was reading today, they're expecting some really heavy snowfall tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, so, they've been trying to really search hardcore they're not searching with volunteers these are all professionals either uh, with the fire department I i wrote down there are 21 different agencies working in these searches which is insane but a good way you know they're really trying to find this kid um something has led them over the last couple of days um to douglas county and they, they're they not really releasing, of course, the exact location of the search. Um, I do know that it's partially private property um, and some of it's public property, but all of the property owners are cooperating with the search. Um, there was an article, one of the neighbors said that he had actually reached out and, you know, let them know they could use his four-wheelers or, you know, whatever they needed. But they've been there. Um, I think four days today, I think is day Mm -hmm. four that they've been in that same spot. Um, and they actually started digging out there uh, this weekend. So this is not, this is not somewhere he could go by foot if he ran away. This is not right. No, it's like a 45 minute. It's like 45 minutes from there, which a lot of people were speculating, um, about that time difference from, from 10, 15, ish until you know to whatever um you know it's four hour there's like a a basically a four hour range from when she left with him and then came back alone 
So, you know, a 45 minute drive and a 45 minute back, that's an hour and a half. So then, you know, what else happened in that two and a half hours um, of that window? And with them being out there and, and concentrating so much on that one area and then especially starting to dig, this is the first time we've, we've seen any kind of activity like that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you you kind of really focused. I mean, like you're saying the digging, they don't just go around digging up everything. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They, they will search large areas for a missing kid and they'll usually do like a grid pattern search, but Digging suggests, you know, they're, they're trying to find something now. They suspect that somebody dug up something first, basically, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, they're looking for something specific. Mm-hmm. And my assumption would be that they have some sort of phone pings from somebody yes. who they suspect yeah. had gain in and was in that area. Phone pings or GPS. Yeah. Because I know we, people um, were speculating about the truck and the Sirius XM yeah. satellite um, yeah. being able to ping. And so over the weekend, they really focused on that. And then stepmom came back on Facebook. Was that today or yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Um, she's back on Facebook, new profile pictures. She's got a video of Gannon as her profile. Um, and a lot of pictures of her and Albert without Gannon. It's just very odd. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's definitely more to come on this one. I feel like we'll be doing another podcast soon. Um, with more details on this as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. I hope that they're able to find him very soon. I think we both feel like the longer this plays out, the worse the outcome's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you still want to keep your hopes up and you want to think, okay, well, maybe, maybe she heard him and, you know, somebody else has him and is, you know, trying to get him back. You know, maybe she's just psycho and sent him away so she could find mm-hmm. him and be the hero. You know, I mean, there are so many theories going around right now. And um, something that sticks with me is one of the, one of the things she said about this being an accident, not a tragedy in that Gannon was still yeah. alive and was going to come back. Okay, so, I mean, what do you mean by that? It was an accident, not a tragedy. First of all, the First, accident, not a tragedy thing drives me crazy. Because they're, they're completely me. unrelated. I mean, an accident or it's intentional. Funny. Like, an act, it's either an, an accident, accident or it was intentional. It can also be a tragedy, though. <laughs> like, that's what I'm I saying. It's like saying it, that that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I mean, they're they're completely unrelated. It's either accidental yeah. or it's intentional, and it's a tragedy or it's not. Like, I don't. It doesn't make any sense. But for her to use the word accident, 
you know, and mm. I, that to me says a lot because it goes back to like what, what you were talking about with the video and her going too far this time. Mm. But then her this saying is, it wasn't a tragedy my... makes mm. you think that he might come back. I'll give you my take on, on her wording here. Um, first of all, she keeps saying he's coming back and she says that or, and he's out there Gannon is out there, is what she keeps saying. This is my honest take on this. Because I truly believe she's a narcissist. And I truly believe that she's somebody who has lived her whole life trying to make sure that she controls her narrative and what people believe in everything she does. She can say Gannon is out there because she knows Gannon is out there. And she can say it with 100% confidence because that's what she knows. She knows Gannon is out there because she put him out there. And she could say that and it could sound 100% sure because it is. So she feels comfortable saying that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the this isn't a tragedy because it's not a tragedy in her mind. The narcissist in her is making excuses for what she did because that's what narcissists Mm -hmm. do. They didn't do it. If they did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, it wasn't their fault. Right. This is her excusing her behavior. This isn't a tragedy. It was just an accident. And it wasn't that bad anyways. In her heart, that's how she feels. And so that's what she says. And to us, because we don't feel that and because we're looking at it in, a, in in our perspective, it sounds insane what she's saying. Right. But to her, she is just living her narcissistic little life and saying what she needs to say to convince herself in order to convince us, basically. That's my take on everything she says. Right. She's definitely a case study. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Well, the truth. I think the truth is going to come out. I, I really hope it's soon. I feel like um, just this weekend has made me feel like they're very, very close to something. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure if it's going to be the end. Um, but... I think that a lot of information is about to come out. I agree 100%. And I will say, um, I think there may be a chance that she actually might listen to this because I, I don't think she can stay away from all the online stuff. And I do think that she has fake profiles in all the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I told you this before. I think she's the type of person that she had fake profiles made before this case was even a case. And she's probably using them. Like we do not allow new profiles in our group for this very reason. But I think she may have already established fake profiles. So there's nothing we could do about that. Um, I agree. Um, I mean, she has trust issues and control issues. mm -hmm. So I think that. I think she's used fake profiles in the past, like you said, and I know it was said before that she wouldn't let Albert have his own Facebook page. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think 
there's a possibility that maybe he did have one and maybe she baited him using a fake profile. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the whole way she got him, he, he was with Landon first and she got him to cheat on her with her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think she ever trusted him and perhaps he had a Facebook at one time and maybe she, maybe she created a profile and, you know, got him to talk and maybe that's why he doesn't have one now. Yeah, I agree. I, but she's it, crazy it, and she, I it mean, it would be much learning. easier for him to stay off of Facebook to avoid her craziness. Right. As a wife. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, she's used her mom's profile. She's used her sister, her, her daughter's profile. Her daughter, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she has. I'm sure she has several. I mean, she's got to 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 have. She's got to have several, just one for each personality that she has, at least. Mm-hmm. So I wanted I want to say this because I don't normally say this because I don't. Look, I I don't think so highly of ourselves that our podcast spreads to so many people that, you know, people involved in cases will ever hear them. But in this one, I do just because of her obsessiveness that there's a tiny chance she might listen. And I would, if I had the opportunity to talk to her, I would say in, in one sense, you're lucky where you are, where you are, because Dan may will work with you. We've seen him do it. We've seen mm-hmm. him work with people who are responsible and involved in in murders. And for your own benefit, reevaluate what you're doing and what you're doing to your family, especially your daughter. And if there's a chance, you know, that you may be able to work something out with them in order, you know, to give Gannon back to his family, then I would, I would definitely take that chance because they will prosecute without a body. Yes. We know that. So you're not, you're not saving yourself by leaving him out there at all. So if I were in her shoes, I would definitely want to give them something in order to maybe eventually be back with my daughter after so many years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, obviously we know he's, we know he's made deals um, and we know that he's done things that he's not happy with, like, like Mm -hmm. with, you know, with Crystal Lee. Um, Mm -hmm. But he did what he had to do to, even though he didn't, still, we haven't found Kelsey yet, um, and maybe never will. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he did that for for answers to and to mm-hmm. be able to at least give that peace to her family. And I personally don't think um, Letitia cares at all about giving peace to Gannon's parents. Um, I don't, I don't think that even weighs on her at all, but 
if nothing else, just for herself. I mean, just self-preservation, you know, if, if you look at it kind of like what you said about, you know, May working with you. Okay. Try to make a deal, dude. I mean, you know, you could end up with a lot more jail time if they're able to find this and pin it on you versus you actually coming to them and talking to them and, and, and making some kind of an arrangement. I mean, Crystal got three years, three years for what she did. And I mean, at this point, and Patrick you know, they, will never get out of jail and never see his daughter again. He was right. sent to like another state. You know, you can avoid that. Right. Sure. I mean, just, just like really evaluate your life right now and think, okay, what's worse? You know, them finding, because they're going to find it. They're, right mm-hmm. now, you know, they're going to find it. They're on to you. They know what's happening. They're putting a case together. He did not just come out to that house for fun. He did, he was not bored and just decided, oh, I was in the neighborhood. No, that is not why he was there. And you know they're going to figure it out. So all you care about is yourself. Do what's in your best interest, which is going to be to talk. Now, now, before yeah. they figure it out without you, because if you yeah. help them figure it out, you're a lot better off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, and and your biggest, I hate to say it, but your biggest bargaining chip is where he is. If right. they find him before you tell them, there's no deal. You're to be done. Made. Nope, you're done. Yeah. So that would be definitely my advice. And if anybody's listening to her that supports her, that knows her, because I know there's a lot out there. She has, I think, two, three different support groups on Facebook. (laughs) Advise her of that. If you truly love her and support her, there's a deal to be made. But once they find him, there's no deal to be made. So the best advice you can give her is to tell them exactly what she knows. A hundred percent the truth of what she knows. And that's it. Yep. Also, God, guys, stop supporting these people. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I mean, I can't. I get that people play the devil's advocate. And I get that people don't want to believe. And I get that people like to sit back and wait for law enforcement to say who it is. I totally, 100% get all of those. And I, I would never, you know, deny you of that. But for people who are looking at every single piece of the evidence that we have and and by evidence i mean the words that she has said out of her own mouth and you still think that <laughs> she's totally innocent and there's nothing being covered up here and even even believing going so far to believe the people responsible or the people she's pointing fingers at 
which I'm not even going to give attention yeah. to. Right. Like, Absolutely. On, guys. I can't. I can't with that. I can't. I just can't. And I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that I know everything and, and that there's not a chance I'm wrong. I'm just saying all of this, when you put it in the pot together, it just makes sense. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I will totally apologize on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what she wants. That's what she wants. So, yes, I agree. I, I, I second that motion. If um, yes. if she is innocent and it all comes out that, that something else happened to Gannon and she had nothing to do with it. And, yes, we will make a podcast specifically for her to apologize. To apologize. Mm-hmm. I agree. Done. I don't think we'll make that podcast, Crystal. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I've been surprised before, but not like that. I don't, I don't yeah. think so. I don't see that one coming, but we'll see. We'll see. I've definitely like speculated on things before and been wrong for sure. Oh, yeah. But there are some times that you just know. Speculative. Yeah. Yeah. There are times that you just know. And I think for me, um, aside from the crazy stories, which, I mean, that was just mind-blowing in itself. But for me, when the DA went to the house and we saw them taking evidence out, that mm-hmm. was it. I was like, okay, this, I mean, it, it, that's it. There, I mean, at that point right there, you know that something happened. Yeah. And they're taking things out of this house for a reason. And when they start taking a large quantity of things out, yeah. And when the DA comes by, that's that's. I mean, he's building his case now. Like it's it's not just a fact finding mission. Like he's actually there because he's planning on prosecuting. Mm. Period. Oh, and we totally forgot um, when she did release that statement to the media, the last statement overnight, I totally forgot about the blood she mentioned. Oh, um, yeah. Because she was foot. saying, and this, yeah, she was saying the night before, um, so Sunday night, was it Sunday night or Saturday night? Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday, he was in the garage and he cut his foot and she she sat him on the car to bandage his foot. Mm-hmm. Um. But I want to say this is, again, pointing out just what I've already pointed out is her trying to create the narrative and control the story and cover her tracks. Um, We had no reason to even need to know about blood in the garage up until she said that, you know, and now she's nobody had even talked about it, but, but being involved with the car, too. And and that's funny that she said the car and not the truck because guess what was impounded mm-hmm. the car. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. It's yeah. so insane. So I I do have hope. We don't usually hear things on the weekend unless like a body is found. Um. Mm-hmm. So I am hoping that tomorrow we will get some movement and I, you know, like, um, I know detectives and stuff work a ton, but I also know 
And, um, and this isn't to say that they aren't working, but everybody needs a day off and they usually take those days off on the weekends. Um, and so weekends just tend to be very quiet. So I'm just hoping Monday morning and afternoon will bring some movement to this case. And I would really love another press conference. Because mm-hmm. we've only had one. And this is why I hate, I've said it before, I hate cases in Colorado. It's so hard <laughs> to get information. We, I know. Every single time. We followed, so we did um, Natalie Bollinger's case. Um, yeah. We did um, Kelsey's case. We did, there was another one. I didn't follow Lots. it, but... Um, Now the name slips me because I really didn't follow it. But it was right around the time of Natalie's case. There was another one. Um, And I'm sure other people will know. But then we did Kelsey's case. And every single time, it's total silence from police until they make an arrest. And then we get a preliminary hearings and arrest warrants and then trial. But up until, like, the whole investigative period... Is so quiet. We get nothing. It drives me crazy. But they get the convictions, and that's what matters. That is what matters. That is all. Yeah. I will say, though, I feel like it's been kind of disappointing every time in every case mm-hmm. so far. There's been convictions, and that's great, but there's always like a, a but to that conviction, you know? Um, like I said, if T, stepmom, is listening, you're in a good spot. You're lucky you're in Colorado and you're in the district you're in because I know how that works there. And and they will work with you. Lucky for you if you take it. So run now to the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think we covered everything um, about that. I really... Really, 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 really want us to schedule a time to record about the Daybell case. Yes. We might need to. We really want to do that one. Yeah. That one might be like Epstein. We might need two for that one. Because there's just so much. I agree. I'm going to do, I'm going to listen to some of the podcasts and audiobooks and whatever that they have out and um because i really want to get into like the cult stuff because i know that there's a cult and i know they believe the world is ending but i don't know like exactly all of it um yeah and then maybe we'll do like a really good detailed episode or two episodes yeah i'm gonna research too so let's like figure out yeah let's take like at least a week to try to research as much as we can. Yeah. Cause I, I think it'll be a really good one. Yeah. So and we I also probably have a lot of, um, new listeners and I didn't say this in the beginning, but if you guys are new and you're in our Gannon group or you're in our Faye group or whatever, um, we have a page on Facebook that I will link that lists all the groups we have. And we also have the general group we have called um, Crime Connect the Vault. 
and highly recommend you either follow one or both because all the new groups we made and all the cases and all the stuff we talk about, that's how you will keep up with that. And I'll link it all wherever you guys are listening. I was really hoping we'd get some like breaking news while I was recording this. I've been watching (laughs) Twitter. (laughs) But no, nothing. It's Sunday night. We'll get some, we'll get some stuff this week. I know. Yeah. I really think they're they're gonna do something big in Ganon's case. I feel it, and I know like other people feel it too. Like I feel like everybody's kind of like waiting for that shoe to drop. All right. Well, definitely thank you guys for sticking around and listening, and I hope you enjoy just hearing us discuss our thoughts about all of this craziness going on. Um, and I hope you're actually listening and this all uploads the right way. And <laughs> we get to get it out to you. Um, yes. And it, it doesn't end up a ghost episode somewhere. <laughs> God. Worst day of my life. I know. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening and until next time, see you later. Thanks. Two, my husband's ex-wife is living in our home and of course I'm not coming home to do these things and to help with the family when I was kind of like told I couldn't. Um, and then many other things that happened with the El Paso County Police Department, you know, and in doing the investigation I was told I wasn't complying. And can I elaborate on that? Yes, so I asked for an attorney during the interview uh, and I was denied that by them. I was held because they were blocking the door and I was told I couldn't leave and that if I would have touched them, they would have probably, you know, said I still wasn't complying or said I was, you know, trying to run away or something. But during the interview, I asked several times, could I stop the interview? Could I get an attorney? Could I stop the interview? Could I get an attorney? I was denied. I was told I couldn't get nothing to drink. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I mean, it was continuously that my constitutional rights were violated. And that's why you say that they said then you weren't that's why they said I wasn't cooperating at that time, correct. And why did you ask for an attorney at the time? Well, I asked for an attorney at the time because there was one individual, there was two really good detectives, and so I'm not you know, going to talk bad about detectives, but the tactics they started to get when I would answer questions, they try to, you know, they're detectives, they're supposed to twist, the one main goal is to find Gannon. But during that time, some of those things made me feel uncomfortable the way they were saying things. So I immediately stopped and felt like, felt like an attorney would help me with some of the vocabulary and things like that that I needed help with and understanding some of the things that they were asking with them even to the point that we were held with a gun and my daughter a 17 year old who serves our country in the united states air force who has never committed a crime or done anything wrong in her life was put in handcuffs over the keys that was in her purse so they could take her car and they weren't in there they weren't even in her car i mean in her purse they were in my pocket you originally didn't even know it was the uh law enforcement officer? I didn't know it was a law enforcement officer because when he came out, I guess he was putting his jacket on and it, it wasn't necessarily his fault. He was adjusting and happened to catch me. But I saw the gun and I panicked originally and kind of thought, oh gosh, I got the, like, who's this guy? And then once I realized it was a sheriff's office, I was totally okay, but they still had a gun and told me they were going to shoot me. Uh, I know you just said that you can't say anything about the investigation, so you can just say so again if you can't answer this, but... Is there anything we can hear about the hike? Was there a hike? You know, that just sounds like rumors right now. You know what? Um, 
could we bring uh, my daughter up here? Because she can she can go and say that, you know, she came home from work after the hike, and she can verify that Gannon was at our home. Okay, yeah, that's fine with me. And if she doesn't want to, that's okay, but you're allowed yes, to. Yes, Yes, I need Harley. I need Harley. Cause they want you to verify was Gannon at home after the hike. Cause you didn't go to the hike, but you came home from work. Hmm? No, just ask the question. Yes, you, you came home from work and you, ver you can verify Gannon was at home. Yeah. I told her she didn't have to be too in depth cause she is still you know, a child, but I want to make sure that someone knows that there's another person to verify that Gannon. Sure. Does she need to hold this? No. Yes, so I came home later that evening. I was at work, and I can verify that he was there that night. So there, there was a hike that you guys went on, but then you guys came home? Yes. Where'd you guys go hiking? Garden of the Gods. Okay. Um, I guess we and then we ate Burger King afterwards, so, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, message for Gannon I have is Gannon when you get here you'll be able to truly tell what happened and then I really hope I get a sincere apology from everyone who has made all those things especially from my husband if you enjoyed this Please join our Crime Connect Facebook page. From there, you could join our main group, The Vault. And we have so many different case-specific groups. They're all listed on the Crime Connect page. I would love for you to join us and follow us. See you there.